We are ex-Overland, and over the past 10 years, my wife and I have established a business doing what we love. Throughout the last 10 years, we have built over 20 Overland vehicles that have taken us and our team around the world as we film our adventures. My name is Clay Croft, and I am the founder and CEO of ex-Overland. On this podcast, we take a deep dive beyond what the camera can capture to offer you as much insight into the world of Overland travel as possible. Seasons change and so do trails. Know what conditions are ahead with Onyx Offroad's new feature, Trail Reports. Submit current conditions for trail reports and help other off-roaders go farther. While you're planning your trip, make sure to check out the recent trail reports to know what conditions and closures may be affecting your area. Trail reports can be added while outside of service and will automatically submit once you're back in cell coverage. Get the most up-to-date information about your favorite trail on Onyx Off-Road. Welcome back to the X Overland podcast, everyone. Happy to have you back here with us. Today, we have two new guests to the podcast, but certainly not new to the X Overland team entirely, although Evan is, is somewhat new. Uh, he's been here for a while now, and he's really reshaping things in a positive way as we grow our brand, grow our business, and we need his expertise to do that. Evan DeHaven, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here, and uh, thank you for the warm welcome. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's great to have you on, and sitting beside you is Andy Potter. Andy uh, is, he has been many things. We started at X Overland together, Andy, like a year and a half or so ago, and I, I always saw you as like a kind of Swiss Army knife ninja of technology, and it just anything that needs doing. It's like I found no matter what group we were in, whether it was the podcast guy like me or as Tanner in the shop, there was always the, go get Andy, mm-hmm. go get Andy. He knows, or he could help, or oh, he's yeah. got something up his sleeve to yeah. the solve the problem. The yeah. The running joke is IT. At Expo, <laughs> everybody's like, oh, we need IT. Where's mm-hmm. IT? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a blessing to be here. Um, working with incredible people also just makes it fun. So hard work comes easy for sure. Yeah, man, I I can speak to what you're talking about as far as just working with great people and just the industry we're in, mm-hmm. the partners we have. Um, I find when I'm doing my work, I'm I'm just constantly being inspired and I'm growing and I'm learning things. And I would add one more word, humbled. <laughs> that is that has definitely been a thing yeah. since since we're coming to work. I mean, look, we're at the office right now. Oh, totally, <laughs> like the hangar. It's beautiful. We're in Montana and hanging out with butts is great. You bet. So again, guys, welcome. I uh, hope you. you're on the podcast regularly. And uh, Evan, I think you know, before we jump right into the topic, which is a Q&A from listeners, um, I, I'd love for you to just speak a little more about your role here at X Overland because it's super important and, and maybe a few of the things that we got going on right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. So Evan DeHaven, been... I think four months came in to head up marketing and content, kind of help Clay and Rochelle um, and the rest of the leadership team kind of fulfill this vision that they have, this five to 10 year plan, um, growing the brand, um, expanding into new avenues, more content um, and reaching a whole new you know sphere of people. So growing out, not just overlanding, but overall what we would just call the outdoor enthusiast. And it's been incredible because the team around me is so talented and so good. And it's like, okay, these ideas are great. And now we're just about getting after it. And we had our first big show at Overland Expo this year, which Mm -hmm. felt like it went extremely well. (laughs) And we had a blast meeting everyone and talking about the future of where we're going. So pretty exciting. Just, you know, combining all things that we do into X Overland is a holistic brand 
uh, becoming more of a lifestyle brand. So pretty excited about it. Right on. Yeah. And you're you're coming from a world professionally of of implementing that type of thing in mm-hmm. different places, uh, like Nike, mm-hmm. right? Was yeah. your brand coordinator or something to that degree? Uh, How do you define the titles? It? There are weird, but it was like <laughs> it's a long one. It's a mouthful. It's like global marketing director for yeah yeah. it was a great experience (laughs) it was like a dream come true but worked throughout my life at different brands um netflix and nike and then ad agency world and then my wife and i owned an ad agency together so long history of a lot of different add activity yeah man i i think (laughs) everyone who works at x overland can relate to that oh my god that's why i like (laughs) felt like i fit in here it was like oh like our biggest passion growing up, you know, was being in the outdoors. Like literally my parents, like honeymoon was a backpacking trip. And so after we were born, it was like, I was on their back from day one. So it's like, to me, this dream was like, oh, I can go do what I love, which is filmmaking and marketing and like be doing the activities I love, which is being outdoors and doing it with like-minded people. So it was like before in the industry I worked in, it was like, you want to go do what? (laughs) Yeah. Like you don't want to go stay in this four-star hotel. And I'm like, no, like I want to just... (laughs) go backpack and they're like you're weird you're weird (laughs) (laughs) i get that total said yeah and andy uh you know a little more about what you do here i i described you as the ninja Mm -hmm. of x overland um but maybe you could fill in a few details sure so i um am stepping into what we're calling a producer role um that producer role is um basically overseeing all content marketing it's from like a like a planning standpoint um evan gives me the vision and then we we make it happen um, coming off of a social media manager role, so anything you've seen in socials for the last year and a half has been um, something I've cooked up. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoy the aspect that we get to get out and enjoy the, the world we live in. Um, so for example, it's like coming back from Expo. Similar to you, Evan, I knew that I didn't want to get in a hotel. I don't sleep on a hotel. Yep. I don't, you know, I just don't like that. So I was like, let's, you know, let's go find a good campsite. Let's go enjoy. Mm-hmm. Because that's how I was raised. Um, I am a fly fisherman. Um, is the, my main part of my background, which allows for me to enjoy things that shoulder into overland uh, overlanding. But yeah, it's been. A, I mean, mostly just enjoy working with great people and and getting out in our area. And Bozeman's an absolutely incredible place to do it. Totally fantastic. And Evan, you're living full time now in Bozeman, or yeah, right? Yeah. And you have two kids. I have two boys. Yep, fourteen and twelve. Oh, wife and a dog and. It's weird being in a house again after three years <laughs> traveling full time, but hey. Does the house feel huge? It even just if feels it's not. Weird. Like I still like, I sleep better outdoors. Yeah. Like I too. set up a hammock just so I'm like when the rain stops, I could sleep outdoors a little bit. But yeah. it is an adjustment of like, oh, like there is a lot of space and you start collecting things again. Totally. It's also a weird thing, but it's fun. It's been great. We love Bozeman. The people here are amazing. Uh, and it's just a great culture. I think it suits us really well. Well, thanks, guys, for sharing some background. And before we get started with our Q&A, this is a tradition here on the podcast. So uh, if we get wandering far off into the weeds somewhere, we have some idea what time we're looking at. It's an actual, <laughs> literal hourglass. Yeah. So, you know. It's been in since day one, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it mm-hmm. has. It has. Mm-hmm. It's been in every one. Awesome. Uh, like a favorite coffee mug. You never want to have anything happen to (laughs) protect it three years from now maybe i think it'll still be going so today folks we are answering your questions um andy Mm -hmm. is the person who filtered through numerous questions coming in from listeners and just fans in general of x overland Uh, and these are questions pertaining to getting started 
mm-hmm. and overlanding is awesome. what we wanted to focus on. So um, you guys know, and so listeners know, how I, I broke this down is Andy gave me the questions and I looked through all of them. So I want listeners to know that um, every single question we took a look at. Mm-hmm. And what we found is that there were many of the same questions just worded differently. So we grouped those into themes. And one of the themes um, that we came up with that I, we already spoke to Clay and Tanner about was truck building. That's the first Q&A we did. Mm-hmm. Um, today we are doing a Q&A about getting started in overlanding and facing challenges related to time, mm-hmm. number one, budget, money, mm-hmm. number two, and then geographic location where you live. And I just saw those. I thought, you know, those those three things really are all tied together. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, that's what we're going to be getting into. And the reason you two were chosen specifically to be on this episode is, Evan, you have experience in changing your life to go into being a full-time overlander from doing what you did in California and everything we just talked about, a very professional space. And Andy, you're on the podcast because you are, at least in my eyes, a young guy, uh, allegedly. <laughs> there was there was a time back when I was teaching when students thought I was old because I was 30. Like, they literally were like, well, they weren't old like you, Mr. L, at 30. But I'm like, when did 30 get old? Uh, but anyway, yeah, but your age, right, and where you're at, uh, you're newly married, you're mm-hmm. working full-time here, mm-hmm. yet you're an outdoor adventurer, you're a fly fisher, you love to get out every chance you can. So you represent that world of vehicle-based venture and someone aspiring in the overlanding space and dealing with a lot of challenges that I think our listeners Totally. Absolutely. So we are going to begin, gentlemen, by looking into questions related to time. Mm. I'm going to start there. So the first question is from Donnie Farmer. And Donnie writes, finding places in my area and all caps, time to go other places farther away. That's his challenge. Like just to begin with, finding places where he lives mm-hmm. and then the time to go farther. Oh, man. I I can kind of uh, head this up with just how much of a nerd I am when it comes to maps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that by doing the things that we do and, and enjoying the things that we enjoy, to some degree, you have to be. You have to be able to look at a map and think about it critically. And so... Time, sure, time is our most valuable resource. Uh, you know, for a lot of us, it's a long weekend. For myself, it's generally a long weekend. Um, so uh, finding things in your local area by, you know, scanning that map allows for us to say, hey, this is only two hours away. Wife and kids, no problem. Let's load this up or wife and dogs for my my use case. Um, I can get there in a weekend and then I can enjoy that in a weekend. Um, I always start with maps, so that's generally where I, I, I live. I'll, I'll, I'll go to bed looking at maps. <laughs> <laughs> no, paper maps, digital maps, what kind of maps? A little bit all the out? above. I use, um, most of the time when I'm, when I'm laying in bed looking at maps or whatever, I'm generally on Onyx just kind of scrubbing into satellite images or, you know, like feature trails or whatever they have going on there. I do love popping up, uh, like a paper map and actually sitting there and scrubbing through it just to see what's out there, see what's historically, you know, referenced and all that, um, but being the young millennial that I am, I thoroughly enjoy the, the access that, you know, Onyx or whatever map provider gives us um, for, for going out and scouting an area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, it, it's similar, different. It's like I'm a firm believer of I'd rather get out for a night than not go at all. So I think time to me is like I always have time, right? You can always make that. 
and then just going to the fact that it doesn't have to be an epic, you know, go to another state or another country or wherever. I would rather go to a local campsite. Like it doesn't have to always be BLM or whatever. I'd rather just get out for a night because for me that like is soothing and helping and, mm-hmm. you know, reconnecting with nature and mm-hmm. getting away from the norms and connecting with friends and family. So I think like totally. readjusting what you think, especially based on what we all look at is Instagram and TikTok and all those things of like, oh, that's what overlanding or whatever is. Mm-hmm. But really for Donnie is just relooking at like, what is the important part for you? Mm-hmm. Is it just getting out and then going, okay, well this weekend, Andy said, I only have two nights. Like, okay, let me just try to get somewhere local. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, figure out your strategy with that. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. I used to love paper maps. I'm 100% digital. My wife, on the other hand, is paper. <laughs> we travel with both, but it's in just looking and then going like, okay, and you, you know, make plan A, B, and C just because, like, you know, nowadays places are so crowded. But mm-hmm. I think the important part is just re looking at your strategy and going like, I could stress on I can't get to another state for many many months and then never go at all yeah instead of just going yeah like get out and go you know caveat my thought too with again we are blessed with where we live we can drive straight east right here Mm -hmm. and be somewhere that um we can park a tent and and enjoy a weekend yep um so time is 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 fun for us i've come from the southeast and i i've lived in the areas i grew up in east tennessee uh, went to school in South Carolina and um, spent a lot of time in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia. And I understand that it is sometimes really difficult um, to to figure out somewhere to go, but understanding that it is out there and it might be as simple, like you're saying, as a KOA. Yep. It might be, totally. you know, it could even be, a, I, I, obviously I'm not condoning this, but it could be yep. a truck stop that's, you know, halfway between where yep. you're trying to go fish or, you know, do whatever. Side of the road. Mm-hmm. I've slept at many Walmarts. You know, on my ways to places, don't totally. work 24 hours. Yeah. You're a safe place. But, um, I mean, I was lived in Los Angeles a good portion of my life. And you have two things. One, getting outdoors is harder. I mean, I lived in, you know, Venice Beach and downtown Culver. So it's like you're in the middle of it. So it's not just like far. You have the 405 and the one, like the horrible traffic. And so it's like the commitment is more being like, okay, I got to go, you know, we have smaller places. I have to go get my trailer out of storage i gotta bring it back i gotta pack and my neighbors won't let me leave it overnight and so there's that commitment of the time but it's like i would rather deal with that and get out you know and spend four hours on the road Mm -hmm. and he said stop somewhere get there the next morning set up and just sit back and enjoy it's work but i think the time you know yeah letting time go aside and say well is it better that i get out at all or not at all yeah totally you know i'm a i'm a big fan of always especially for people who are new to this but even if you've been doing it a while and you want to try out some new gear or maybe it's early in the season you have been out in a while yeah. if you even have a driveway you know or a yard yeah. to just pop your rooftop tent or pitch a tent or whatever you want to do whatever kind of gear you want yeah. to fiddle with but like you were talking evan yeah. before the podcast i i feel a lot like you do that i just like sleeping outside totally so it's like, hey, you got to maybe you got a hammock, you know, some new piece of kit. Go string it up. See what it's like sleeping for the night. Um, so there are ways to like, you know, dip your your toe in the water a little bit and and get out some and yeah. learn learn a few skills. Man, this is a whole nother. But, but testing your gear before you go out is like I. <laughs> So many nights left in my driveway or the backyard to be like, is it working? Yeah, yeah. I totally. haven't popped my, my single person backpack and tent in like a couple of years. And I'm like this weekend popping it up and sleeping out there just to, is it good? Do I need to relook at it? Or, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is it leaking or what? You yeah. know, it could be out there in the rain. And that's fun, right? Mm-hmm. It's fun it stuff. 
Yeah. So Evan, I'm curious, since uh, some of these questions as we move forward are going to be about geography mm-hmm. and people living in more urban areas, we have yeah. some listeners from back east right now. Yeah. Um, is there such a thing as urban landing nowadays? Like, is there a way to kind of do this type of thing in an urban environment? Hundred percent. I mean, I mean, LA, seriously, talk, yeah. So yeah. people know, like, I was, yeah. I mean, it's one of the biggest, you know, metropolitan cities in our country, right? You know, yeah. New York and Chicago and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, we would hike almost every weekend, and it's like people are like, "Where do you hike in LA?" It's like, well, you know, right behind the Getty Center, right? Like. There's hikes and you don't know them. You have to, like Andy said, spend a little time on research, right? Like, you know, and it, I find it as a good way to just come down after the day and be like, oh, I'm going to go online and I'm going to start, I, you know, use all Onyx and Gaia and, and Google Maps and I just pinch into Earth and I'm like, okay, oh, there's a dirt road there. And I've spent many weekends just being like my motorcycle or my truck being like, oh, and okay, there's a fence there. Okay. And then I go and I, Oh, oh, that one's open. Okay, where does it go? And then you're like, oh, I can camp up there. And then you come back, you mark it, and then you go back. Is that a legal spot? You know, you look as like, is it mm-hmm. private? Is it not? And um, so I think urban areas, yes. Does it take a little bit more planning and work for sure? But that's anything that you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, within LA proper, I could just experience there in like Oregon, Portland, right? Two big cities that I lived in hundreds of places that's so encouraging and I'm, I'm sitting here looking at andy and i'm thinking about how you love to fly fish andy mm-hmm. and i remember you know growing up in baltimore and, and we were always coming to montana to fly fish mm-hmm. and at some point you know there became this movement of urban fly fishing even oh absolutely um so is, is that a thing like w- like would you consider totally. yeah so i mean i think we've at least the people in the fishing community have seen like the Denver carp fishing. Uh, there's definitely stuff like that that is out there. If you go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee or Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, there's, you know, excellent fishing just in and around town, which is such a funny thing because, you know, people think about fly fishing as this incredibly wild experience. Right. I can only do this if mm-hmm. I cannot smell Burger King and mm-hmm. I can't hear cars driving by. Like that's the perception yeah. of fly fishing for a lot of people. Um, however, I, I mean, if you, if you look at our area, we are blessed with, again, wild places, but growing up back East, some of the best fishing spots were in towns like Tuckaseegee, North Carolina, for example, if anybody knows that area, um, the, um, the Tuck, the Tuckaseegee flows through it. You are in town. You are, you are walking off main street in your waders and enjoying a fish. Um, and that's kind of where, I mean, it just, yes, to answer your question, yes, urban fly fishing is absolutely a thing. It's hard to marry with urban camping sometimes, mm-hmm. um, just due to the nature of regs and everything like that. But yeah, but totally. it may may be possible. Mm-hmm. And it's like what you said. Really, I think might strike a chord with anyone in, interested in like overlanding, vehicle based adventure stuff. That you know, there there's a kind of aesthetic mm-hmm. uh, ideal in overlanding that Instagram you might say is somewhat responsible for of like, well, if we're overlanding, you know, the setting looks like this, mm-hmm. um, same way with fly fishing. Like, you know, if it doesn't look like a river runs through it and there's some image from that, are we really fly fishing? Right. Well, yes, you are, <laughs> you know? So if you can like get past that aesthetic barrier and learn to appreciate, you know, a different aesthetic in different places and variety, that might be an answer to I can almost bet 90% of the photos or videos you have ever seen, there's a story behind that, too, that's not what you think. I mean, oh, you mean something runs through it. All the, like, I worked in Hollywood for years. It's all fake, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's also, we all know Instagram. We've yeah. all done it. I hate to say it, taking the photo that looks like no one's around mm-hmm. or there's no telephone pole and there's one there, right? Like, yes. guilty as charged, right? But, like, 
it's and I think that's resetting your mindset about like what's important to you. You know, Andy and I talked. It was like we knew that the rivers were too high to catch fish this weekend, but I was like, I'm going anyways just to be out. And I had a great hike. Didn't even get a bite, but I was like, the best day ever. I said, yeah, I think that you yeah, get what it. get what you need where you can. Yeah. Um, if that is escaping to an urban style camping spot for the weekend, sure, that's rad. You know, yeah. do it. If that's escaping to a cart fishing spot in Denver, mm-hmm. downtown Denver, do it. Whatever. Um, I, and kind of to lean into your point too is like, there's a scene in Nordic when they're in Finland, and it's a gravel lot, and they got that low shot. And next thing you know, like you're like, oh my gosh, they're in this beautiful wild place. But in all reality, there's like a highway on the other side of the river on the far side, and it was this urban camp that nobody. Yep any of the viewers probably ever knew about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So getting creative, I hear you guys saying, you know, getting creative and, Mm -hmm. and shifting your mindset to, uh, to appreciate different, a a wider variety of experiences, Mm -hmm. um, as part of all of this and not just get locked into this one view of what something is maybe. Mm -hmm. And get over the hurdle of, I've got to go do this thing. The more you just get out and do easy, simple trips, the more you get to a point of like, I just want to go do and, it makes all of it easier. Totally. Like, you know, it's just more yeah. simple. We can go so many stories on that. But oh, yeah. Just yeah, get out it. and go <laughs> and worry about the, you'll get when you make time and you have time. It's a, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure, a choice to go do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But if not, like, we all have limited time. We have families, friends, whatever. If you get away for a night and it's, you know, around the corner, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we'll be going, like, all these questions kind of somewhat interconnect, and we'll be yep. bouncing around, and then I'll jump in and read a question just to make sure listeners hear, hear the questions read, and each one is a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, we get a little bit of nuance here. Uh, so, Oz Barrier, this, this uh, I, I think, is a very useful question because Oz Barrier is from Australia. Mm-hmm. And he or she, not sure here, we t- writes this, we try to get out between work each weekend and plan some bigger trips, but work gets in the way. Great job on the Nordic series, guys. Incredible scenery. Cheers from Australia. So yeah, I like this because it's like here are people on the other side of the world mm-hmm. dealing with similar challenges that we have here, right? Absolutely. And it sounds like this one is more work theme. How, how, how do you let go of work or how do you deal with with work situation yeah i mean it's hard because we're here to live life and but you know you have to you know make money to survive and all that so understand i think we've all gone through it in different chapters of our life i'll give a very extreme end of it right i'm sure you'll get like a different it. one mm-hmm. but like you know i lived for work for decades right and that was my priority and but i still got away right and did local trips but like ultimately i think we're there's two things one you have to make the choice right? What do you want to prioritize, right? Or what, what making that choice of I'm going to take vacation, right? Like a lot of people never use their vacation ever. And it's like, well, that's a personal choice, right? Because even legally a job has to allow you to take vacation, right? right? So making that choice and saying, I'm going to prioritize me going on a trip or going doing X. Um, The other thing is we're very blessed in the time and age we are in that you can work remotely for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. right? And so I, you know, left my career and sold my house and lived on the road for three years and worked remote, right? Contract based and decided to be what people would say homeless and broke, right? And like, <laughs> you know, it was like I would pick up contract jobs just to like pay the bills, right? Yeah. And the bills were gas and food and if I had to pay for a campsite, right? And so it's about making that personal decision with you, your family, what you know, whoever it may be around you to say, I'm going to prioritize X, you know, um, and just making that choice for yourself. So values 
is what I'm totally. like really. Yeah. And maybe you have to rearrange your values to 100%. if there's something that is really important to you along these lines. Yeah. Yeah. Walk away from things. You're going to always have to make choices in life. Yeah. Right. And that's one of them. Like, what do I want more importantly? You know? And it doesn't mean you have to quit your job, but it's like, okay, well, yeah. I'm afraid to take two weeks vacation. Well, legally you get it anyway. So take yeah. it. Yeah. You and know? actually like, you know, creating that boundary for yourself where you do go take the vacation, you take the break, you yeah. know, and, and maybe coping with that anxiety of doing that because you're like, oh, you know, my work and you're yeah. of course thinking about it, but there's a kind of letting go. Andy, how do you manage? Like, I, I know how busy you are at X Overland and all the things you're doing. Totally. Um, what's your approach to coping with work stress when you're trying to get away? You know, like, how do you find that balance? Totally. Um, something that I feel like I'm blessed with is a work environment that makes me feel like I'm, you know, living whatever that life is. Like hypothetically, we've got trips planned during the week and that's really rad. Um, I came from a marketing agency um, lifestyle that 4.59 on the clock ran around on Friday and I was walking out of the door. I had already had the truck packed. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was driving to the campsite. Um, I think that for work, I'm also in a place in my life where I still have friends getting married. I've still got like, you know, vacations with families. Like my wife and my family do vacations independently. Um, and managing paid time off is tricky for that because by the end of the year, I, I feel like I have to have shared that vacation to a certain degree. And so like for me to take two like a week personally to go and do something is not always in the cards. Um, but when it's not in the cards, I make sure that I, um, build long weekends, like say for example, Hey Evan, I'm not, you know, I'm not coming in on Monday. I'm sorry. Um, and, and, you know, having a really open line of communication with, with your, um, employer Mm -hmm. or your friends or whatever that is, um, is, is a key to be able to do that. I think again, you have to be flexible. I think that for me, I have to know that there are things that I'm going to leave high and dry. That's, you know, impossible to, to not always accommodate for that. Um, but at the end of the day, I will be a better employee when I get back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and prioritizing that, um, is, is kind of the, the angle that I lean into. Work hard, play hard. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, even talking to your manager or whoever and being like, I want to go do this. What do I need to do to get ahead? Mm-hmm. You know, put in those extra hours so that you could take that time off. And like Andy said, for most people, it will rejuvenate you. It will make you a better person. That's one of our core beliefs here is like, mm-hmm. we do what we do and we make these films to inspire people to say, go out and explore the outdoors because at the end of the day, it makes you a better person. Yeah, that's what I'm sitting here thinking is how, you know, maybe you, you're working somewhere that doesn't really align with this part of your life, you mm-hmm. know, with your values and, yeah. and your desire to be outside and exploring, uh, overlanding, whatever it is. Uh, there are some work environments like ours that not only support that, but uh, encourage it. And uh, it's almost expected in our culture, you know, if you're if you're working with X Overland that we're doing these things. Um, and there might be somebody who's working somewhere where yeah. there's zero support and they're always fighting it. And maybe maybe a, a work shift into something that better aligns. And a lot of us do it to ourselves. We apply that feeling. We think, oh, our boss is this, our boss. Right. And I learned from a mentor at Nike that was like, let's have this open communication and then we'll be on the same page. And it was like, he knew for me that going out and playing soccer or running like would help me think creatively. And it got to the point because we had that discussion. Mm-hmm. He was look at me one day. He's like, dude, why don't you get out of here and go for a run? 
Yeah. Like he saw, uh, you know, and I was like, so, oh man, he's like, skip this meeting. I'll cover you. You're good. Yeah. But he's like, I, cause he, we had the com com communication. Yeah. But a lot of us apply that self-implied pressure of like, if I do this, I'm going to lose my job or any of that. But if you sometimes sit down, we've all had bad managers, bosses, but you have that conversation and it's like, oh yeah, totally. You know? And like, yeah, man, that's a, that's a, I think, doable win to, for mm -hmm. people who are writing in with a question like this, as work related, right? Is because it's something you can take charge of is working on your communication skills. Mm -hmm. Like maybe if you did communicate with your employer, your boss, whomever, mm -hmm. you might find you have more freedom than you realize. Yeah. yeah like You've got to open your mouth. You got to try. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, in, until you ask, the answer is always no, <laughs> you know, until it, until, until you yeah. actually broach yeah, the question, yeah. it's always a no. Yeah. Um, I also, um, coming out of college, I was a freelance photographer and videographer. So I was building a lifestyle that allowed for me to travel at different times during the weeks. So I was working one to two days and fishing for five to six days and it was really rad. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I had to make that decision that sure, my lifestyle might be a little bit more fractured than most. Like I might not have that nine to five style. Um, but I was doing that so that I could get out and enjoy the things that I enjoyed doing. Yeah. It was a decision that I had made going out of college. It was like, I am ready for a fun portion of my life. It's not going to come with a great paycheck. Sure. Yeah. You know, like in this discussion, guys, I insight that's popping into my head is just how maybe it's important to not think there's one way to do this, mm -hmm. but like to search yourself like, yeah. you know, what are your values? What kind of lifestyle do you really want? You know, do you, do you want an all or nothing kind of approach? Do you want balance, like with work and family? Like, what are you after? It doesn't have to be exactly the way you see it in a movie or yep. TV or whatever it is you're, you're using to guide you. We're all unique. There's no one way for anything, right? We all have different cards that we're dealt, pressures, whatever they may be. We're all mentally different. We approach problem solving so yeah. different and so it's ultimately is like what's the outcome you want yeah. right is that i want more time I'm fishing yeah. i want more time with my family well how do i as a person get there and like it's you brought up it's one of my favorite things that i you know talk to my kids about and i've always believed in is like whatever you want if you don't go after it you'll never know the answer is already no because you haven't asked yeah or tried so what's the worst thing that happens? Then you do get a real no? Well, you're already at no anyway. So mm -hmm. it's, you're, it's, there's no difference. Like if yeah. I went to you and I was like, Jimmy, I need to go take d time off. And you said no. Okay, well, I'm still where I was. It was already a no. Yeah, yeah. So I only have a better option and having the conversation with you is there is a possibility of a yes. And if I don't ask, it's still a no. And you have more clarity now. Mm -hmm. It's out of your head, yeah. you're, right? You put it out there. Mm -hmm. You sleep yeah. better. But at least you... like. <laughs> The thing that I get out with that, and it's a weird one to explain to younger kids too, because you're like, I'm already yeah. at a no by not asking. And so the only bad thing that you'll get out of it is another no, but that's the same no you were at. It's no different yeah. than yeah. not asking. Mm -hmm. So the Just, only upside of the conversation, there is only an upside, which is a yes. Yep. Right? Like it doesn't change the situation if they say no because you're already there. Dude, yeah. there's so much psychology in answering these questions. And yeah, that's what like got me so excited when I was looking through mm -hmm. this. I was like, you know, it's it's gonna be much more about what's going on between your ears mm -hmm. and in your heart than it is something technical. Totally. Right? And that's it's what <laughs> his or her question is awesome because it is that like, what do you do? And again, just make it's a bit decision making for yeah. yourself, no one else. You have to look at your own seat. And speaking, speaking to that, Evan. Okay, so the third question in this category mm -hmm. of time. 
um, from Hawthorne, California. Yeah. Where is that? Very, it's a little bit south from L.A. Okay. Yep. So kind of your neck of the woods. Oh, not far at all. Yeah. All right. Um, so mentions work again, but then ask this. How did you choose the love of exploring over a, quote, normal, end quote, working for the weekend routine? Hmm. I oh, mean, man. normal is a, that's a whole nother question because what is normal, but... Um, Conventional, maybe. I would think be. It's di- <laughs> the one thing I can answer on this is being a Southern California person is different. Like I often joke that Los Angeles, Southern California, should be its own country. Just pressures that are applied there. You know, coast people were different, right? Like you move to LA or New York because you want to get something out of life, typically, right? And for the longest time, it was the most people transplanted to those places. It's changing now, um, but you have culturally a lot of like you don't go do that. You should just be yeah. working or you, you know, um, so it is, a you, you again, it's decision-making, right? It's like, I have to get out and go do and doing that where no matter where you live or where you are, but also having the weird enough to say, and I call it weird because that's opposite of normal of saying like, I'm going to go do what I want to do. Cause that's what I want to do and not listening to others. Yeah. You know, I mean, when we left on our three year journey and whole another thing is, even ve- people very close to us that were non-supportive. Yeah. But ultimately yeah. we had to say, I, I've been living the life that I thought we should have left as a culture, mm-hmm. but that's not what's important to us. We've got to go do our thing. Well, that's where I hear like in that normal, right? Like I heard your story, just the normal being like you had the, the professional mm-hmm. job, right? Corporate job, very successful. Sounds like you had, you had all that lined out, that lifestyle and you changed lifestyles. Like, uh, you know, to you, you gave that up to go explore with your family. I redefined what success was Mm -hmm. for myself because success is the key word you said there for me was like, yeah, yeah, success was what you said successful was not the success I wanted. I wasn't enjoying life, Uh right? I wasn't present with my family the way I wanted to be. I wasn't going and enjoying the things like, sure, a title and money is what we define culturally as success, I guess. But that wasn't for me. I would have rather gone and sat down on the beach in Baja and, you know, met people and ate food and enjoy real present time with my family. That was success. Yeah. So like really like having a, a, a look at how you define success yeah. in life and, and, and what the, what is that really? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, Evan, like you came to a place in your life where you were able, you know, to mindfully look around at what was going on, what you were doing mm-hmm. and go... This isn't how I want to live right now. 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. And going to that is like Jimmy and Andy, it's great being around you guys too, because you're your own men and people and life. And like, I love hearing the choices you guys make. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the key to, you know, the, this question is like, stop looking at what quote unquote norm is and go oh. define what life is for you. Because at the end of the day, when we all meet whatever the maker that, you know, we're on that final bed and that, you know, or go for the long sleep. We're going to have to go back to, I do the life that I wanted, not, we're not going to be sitting there, you know, with a journalist saying, oh, did you live a, the life, right? It's like, you have to answer it yourself, which is hard. Yeah, I mean, totally. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's where I, I love talking and listening to Andy because I love hearing what he's going through at his age. Right? Yeah. Like such totally. a, you know, 46, you're 50. It's like, you're at such a different age. And I went through there and I'm like, man, I love seeing where this guy is going and doing. And they were like, 
Oh, it's just rad to see that. Yeah. yeah. It's, like for me, I feel like looking back at what I would consider normal for, you know, if, if you had a person like me, grew up in the Southeast, went to college, did the whole thing, got a marketing degree. I did the, the Southeastern man thing, you know, went to school and did all that. Yeah. Um, what I realized was normal. Um, and I realized this, you know, we'll dig in here. Um, normal was to get that job in Charlotte. It's to get that job in Atlanta. It is to take your 20s in a city, make your money, and like progress your career till you're 30, and then probably reflect. For me, my wife, I'm blessed with a, a wife that is as passionate about enjoying life as I am. Um, we looked at it and said, I, you know, I just don't know about that. Like, I just don't know if that is what I would, you know, if, if I had to, to look back at it, what I would consider to be what I wanted. That normal, again, it's different in LA, it's different in, yeah. you know, the Southeast is different wherever you are. So what I did and what we ended up doing um, is we knew that we wanted to go somewhere else. So my first dabbling into overlanding, um, per se, is a trip that she and I took that we spent about a month and a half on the road and we toured around the United States looking for somewhere to live. Hmm. We hadn't packed up. This was, um, this was before she had graduated from college. I'm a little bit older than her. And uh, we just toured around. We met great people. We broke bread with some amazing people on the road. I was like, oh, this is nice. Like, <laughs> you guys got yeah. this figured out. Yep. You know, people living in an ambulance, people living in a school mm-hmm. bus, whatever it was. Um, just that nomadic idea and that, that free lifestyle became a little bit more attractive. Um, we ended up moving to Bozeman specifically because I enjoyed the recreational culture of Bozeman not necessarily for this job or like, you know, overlanding in general. Um, I, I moved here cause I liked snowboarding. I like skiing, uh, fishing. It was my two things. I was like, Oh man, this is perfect. Yeah. Started to find out that, Oh, well, like I can do these things comfortably with camping. And that's how we ended yeah. up in the overlanding space. And, and, um, to me being able to get out and do those things is what I would define as success and where I am in my life. Yeah. I think everybody's going to spin it different. Um, I think that there's a lot of pressure on young people to have a career that they're proud of and entirely too early um, is like the timeline for that. You know, they want to be there now. They want to, they want to have that career now. And I, I knew that I wanted that life now. I didn't want to look back in my forties and fifties and say, ah, you know, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time we took the leap. Like that's, that's not what I wanted. Dude, it's 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 fascinating talking to you at at your age, right? And and me being where I'm at at 50, mm-hmm. because uh, and and I think it's really cool too that like Evans from the West Coast, like mm-hmm. iconic West Coast city, LA. Mm-hmm. I'm from the East Coast, right? Baltimore, Annapolis, Maryland, like far far east as you can go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I can relate to a lot of what you're saying, Evan, but in some. It, a, in our own unique culture yeah. back there, right? But it's in, in what Andy's talking about. I I really can yeah. understand. And um, now, Andy, I'm because I, I made a move similar to what you did in my twenties, mm-hmm. moved out here. I, uh, I man, I'm fascinated by all these friends of mine mm-hmm. who who went a, the conventional route, mm-hmm. um, and there are all kinds of outcomes. Like some of those guys truly are, you know, they're ready to retire with millions of dollars in their pocket at yeah. fifty years old. Mm-hmm. You know. And now it's just a matter of how far they want to keep going. But even those guys, like uh, my point is this, all those guys, it's like they're turning over some kind of new leaf, mm-hmm. you know, like they're more interested in my adventures. They're interested in what we do here with X Overland. They're wanting to start getting out. They're learning to fly fish. Like something is starting to click, but you know, 
they're they're 50 not 25 yeah i think they live that that perceived normal and after they live that perceived normal for a little bit they're like oh is this it they're regretting they yeah like something and i do this yeah. for 30 years and then i die like that that yeah, that's yeah, you know yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. what i'm looking for <laughs> i've no way. met more billionaires that are unhappy than poor people or more i've met more unhappy billionaires right than i have met well, how do I phrase it? Like some per capita kind no, of thing. More, I've like, met more poor people that are enjoying life and go. so happy, right, than happy billionaires. That's the way I should put it. Yeah. Like most billionaires I've ever met or multimillionaires are miserable and all they talk about is work and stress and da-da-da. And then you, you know, travel into different far places of the world and these people are living out of a shack or, you know, in Morocco is like literally a home made out of mud and they invite you in, you know, for some tandoori and you're sitting there and they're like the happiest smiling people and you're like you have nothing like but it's a ma- reset your life in that and say like well and that goes back to decision making what is success or happiness for you what is the time that you can apply to this and then go get it yeah all right guys so we've been talking a lot about time we're going to move into money yep. again like i've said you know time money mm-hmm. especially those two i think are mm-hmm. parallel um specific question it's coming from Daffy Dak, and this listener writes in, money. Money meaning money is the problem. Mm. Everything else can be obtained. So, you know, what, what are your struggles with getting started overlanding? Mm-hmm. Money, everything else can be obtained. I mean, the first thing to that is, we won't get into overlanding, but getting outdoors is free. Yeah. So... Yes, gas money, sure. But like Andy said earlier, like you could go 20 minutes from your house. So you don't need the gear. You don't need the bling. You don't need to invest in that. If you just want to go camping, outdoors, car-based travel. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to, when I was super young and I was into like street racing cars, right? I had a Honda CRX, super small car. Sweet. That was lowered, and I'd still get it out there, mm-hmm. right. you know, and right. I had nothing, and I would sleep on the ground, cowboy camp, right? Oh, or, that's awesome. Or, you know, sleep in the back, totally. or, you know, a pop-up tent that I would buy at, you know, back then it was Target, right? There was no Walmart, but I think the money thing is we put in, like, the idea of what it looks like, right? And that's, mm-hmm. like, a big part of our mission here at XO is to show people, like, the multiple sides of it all in a journey that we're saying, like, you don't need clone is sitting next to us you know that fully built out rig to go out and enjoy the outdoors you and i both adventure bike right you're it's like very similar to backpacking in that way like you don't need much money to go do it unless you really want to obtain a certain level of it right sure the global expedition the global travel like i traveled the world i say north america for three years i didn't have a job and you know it was like there's weeks where you're like oh boy you know (laughs) but 75 percent of our stays were free land we're very very blessed in america that we are landowners right public landowner is like one of the proudest things so like Mm -hmm. you can go to you know blm right what depends on where you live in the states and go and you can stay for free you know it's cheaper than you know, flying to Cabo and getting a hotel, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. the shocking thing when I was down in Barra and I'm like, you're paying $2,500 a night for a hotel room and I'm staying get you know, an street. hour up the road <laughs> on like the most beautiful beach I've ever stayed at for free. And I'm buying fish and tacos off this person at like 75 cents a taco. Like it was incredible. You're like, so it, there's 
different ways to look at the money side, but yeah. it is a barrier for people. I get it. And it's a struggle. I got to leave work to do it, et cetera. But like, it's, it's real and it's hard. Yeah. I think it's tough. Um, in our industry, the gear is looked at as the hero. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's psychologically sometimes pretty tough. Um, I, something I'm really excited about for this summer is that we're going to dabble more into, uh, content related to vehicles that might not necessarily be, you know, expedition ready vehicles. Um, because it allows for us to kind of share our decision-making and saying like, Hey, I did this because a, first off, I'm not like, I, I have, I have budgets. I like, I have a limit on how much I can spend on my Tundra. Um, so you'll see some corners that I cut or you'll see some decisions that I made that made financial sense. Um, again, because money, it does play for sure, but I don't think money is a you know, trump card by any means. I think that, excuse me, I think that, again, like you're saying, camping is free in a lot of places, 100%. But at the end of the day, if a campsite's 20 bucks a night, yeah. don't eat out for one night a week. Yeah. And then yeah. you're fun to have a couple of lattes. We have a, a family, really good friends of ours that met us. They wanted to come down and experience Baja with us. And we're in our built-out rig. And, you know, again, it was our home. It was different. And I won't get into the full of that, why we did what we did. But they came in a Tundra mm-hmm. with no camper, five people, three kids and a dog Ooh. in a Tundra and, a, you know, a tent in the back that they would just load on the ground for, I think it was 14 days there with us. They did not Dude. have any hard, like it was an epic trip. Like yeah. no complaints. That is and such the, a great example, Evan. different Tundras next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I could speak for them and say like, they didn't have a lesser time because they didn't have it. Yeah. And ultimately it was like the investment money that we spent down there was gas yeah. and, you know, a little bit of food. Most of the time you're just going to the Mercado and you're, you know, buying like you would here and eating and making food yourself, Man. catching fish and, mm. and eating. So it's like, that was a very good example to me of like, you don't need all the gear and all that to have a great time, yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. It's such a, that's such a, a mind expanding you know, insight to have Evan. Like, I think like, I'm, I'm thinking like that's more and more when I look at questions like this and I just hear what people struggle with trying to do, yeah. you know, just get outside and have some fun that, uh, the more we can do to just expand people's ways of seeing what can be done. Like for Evan to bring up, Hey, let's say you lived in LA and you have a pickup, just normal conventional topper, or, or even without a topper, mm-hmm. you have a ground tent. Mm-hmm. Drive across the border, you know, with a cooler, some pl- go get some supplies. Yep. You you don't have to have something that looks like a kitted out overland vehicle mm-hmm. to go have some fun in Baja for ten days. That's what I hear, heard from you, Evan, <laughs> and it was like a mind blowing yeah. epiphany, you know, yeah. to to have for me because like every time mm. anything I've ever watched on Baja is done usually by people who are in totally kitted out rigs and yeah. you know they're producing really cool content. But you forget that just like living here in Montana, I could tell somebody, hey, throw a ground tent in the back of your yeah. pickup and run and do the Bridgers for the weekend. You're going to have a great time. Yeah. So Wilder is I met a, plenty of cyclists. Oh, yeah. Mm. Down in Mexico and all the way up at the Arctic Ocean. <laughs> Me? Whoa, you're hardcore. That's gnarly and awesome. But they were having an amazing time. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, that goes into a whole time thing for sure, because cycling to the Arctic Ocean is going to take a lot of time. (laughs) But it was like, (laughs) again, the gear and the investment of money is you don't need it. And if that's the money question that the answer is just go enjoy, there is the other side of like, how do I afford life? 
and take off time. Maybe people are working three jobs and that's a, you know, a hard struggle, but it's again, decision-making and priorities. Yeah. Yeah. I think money buys comfort. Money does not buy experience, mm-hmm. um, is, is kind of how I feel about it. Like, and you can kind of gauge that mm-hmm. depending upon your preferences or who, yeah. whom you're going with or whatever. You'd be like Ryan Connolly and roll out a, uh, like an air mattress or not an air mattress, but a sleeping pad right here on the ground, cur- curl up in a bag and have the best night of his life. Yeah. I mean, we, I was talking with a buddy about hunting this weekend. It was like, you could go spend $6,000 on a rifle right and i could go spend a thousand at the end of the day the elk or the deer that you're trying to harvest does not care <laughs> yeah. what you harvest with it's about practice and yeah. about putting into the range but like spending six thousand dollars on a scope and a rifle is not going to make you a better marksman it's the time and the effort you know of those things fly Same fishing thing. yeah fly fishing <laughs> it's any activity yeah. you do it's like money always talks because we see these things in the yeah it's the our glory. culture it's yeah. just our culture. It's, it's like you want to yeah, get outside yeah. of the culture to to get to where we're talking about. I mean, we were talking about five. I had $60 waders that I bought at a Canadian tire, mm-hmm. $70. They were rubber. They were awful. They were uncomfortable, but they worked. And but I did all the same trips. Yeah. yeah. I just upgraded, thankfully, and it was fine. But I was like, oh, like the big <laughs> difference was it was more Dude, comfortable. Dude, that's such a perfect analogy. It was more comfortable. But like- it didn't make my fishing better or worse. Like it was just more comfortable. Yeah. Like That's I think of like, uh, you know, to that point, like being out on the Madison in like early August and maybe it's 90 degrees to, during the day and dudes are floating with outfitters and guides wearing chest waders oh, yeah. because they just bought them. And they're like, well, I'm fly fishing. I need to wear these. And they're yeah. just sweltering, pouring sweat. <laughs> and then and on we're... the Madison, you get like the, the college crowd floating next to you, like oh, throw yeah, it, throw yeah, beer yeah, cans yeah, at you. Oh, yeah. like, and, yeah, that, that's at the same view. It's, it's like, wait, fantastic. how can you fly fish? You're just in yeah. shorts barefoot. Yeah. I don't understand. Not allowed. <laughs> all right. So here's another one that, you know, speaks to all this. So this is from Cody Barrett. Um, I think most people live at the top of their means, making it nearly impossible not to just take a vacation, but additionally to take unpaid time off as well. Um, he thinks you know, that's a problem and that and quote, whenever I get my truck fully built up, <laughs> I'll finally take the trip. Mindset are killers. Yeah. I have a quote that I learned from a gentleman, I think it was somewhere in Alaska. And he said, you know, your truck build's done when you've taken the last thing off. Yeah. That's Scott. And that's uh, coined by Scott Brady too, right? I know Scott Brady loves to use it. Yeah. And I'm thinking that way with my adventure bike right now, Evan. It's like, Just, I finally got everything on. Yep. What am I going to take off? Yeah. It's <laughs> like, I'm at this pivotal point where I'm like, there's an itch to me to build a whole new rig and do it and like go simpler and go different. But I'm also like, that costs money. Yeah. Like I have what I have and let's just use it. Right. But it's yeah. like, I keep taking things off and I'm like, oh man, that's one less thing to worry about. And, you know, I think again, going back to decisions and all that there, it's, it's about the experience, right? Yeah. You know, it's not about the destination. It's about the adventure and the journey to get there. Right. Like just go figure out, like you don't need anything. No. You know, you could walk from your house, you know, even if you're in LA to the top of a mountain and sleep there. Yeah. And have an awesome experience. I, I, arguably, you know, an amazing adventure even. If we're looking at adventure. That probably is better I mean, adventure. It might be a better adventure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, you know, things, that's going to be kind of wild. We, my wife and I sat down this weekend because we're, we had nothing, right? We had what we had in a car and our little trailer. Yeah. And we all lived out of a duffel bag. I'm a grown man. I had a duffel bag, small duffel bag. That was my life, my 
everything to brush my teeth and my clothes was all in one bag to now where we're like, oh, we're getting things and we're filling up a garage and we're like, are we doing life wrong again? You're like, what is it, right? Yeah, right. So these things about like, you don't have to work endless hours and have a lot of money to go do the things you enjoy. Simplify takes the mental stress off you and it's like, I just, you know. And I could kind of yeah. speak into, um, the, there was one spot in there that, that stood out to me and it was the idea of like, Oh, I can only take paid time off. Mm. Um, uh, previously, a couple of years ago, huh. I think I was at a point where I was like, you know, like I had eight to 10 days off a year that were paid for. I ended up taking like 33 days off that year because I was in a point where I was like, I was jazzed. I was ready to go explore. I was ready to go, you know, conquer mm-hmm. you know, new things, explore new areas. Um, but I, I knew that I wanted something out of that year. I knew that that, yes. that was something that I needed. Um, more so than, you know, that, that 20 extra days that I didn't get paid to work, um, because I was, I was comfortable with that, that, um, that cost of doing that, of of doing that trip or doing that adventure experience, whatever you want to call it. And, um, I mean, sure, it's not great on your wallet, you know, uh, my, my philosophy and something I've always kind of thought of was like, I can't take it with me. Um, so might as well enjoy what I've got right now. And I think that that's probably like, 90% 90% of the people that we interact with in this industry is that we are comfortable cutting some corners to live the life that we want to. Yeah. I think there's also a different side of that and a little bit like you and I grew up in a different era, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I totally always had did. two to three jobs. I respect that you're here, right? Evan, yeah. and, we, and I've <laughs> got someone I could talk to about for that. For me to go find another job or freelance or contract was hard and then it would be like, okay, well, I have to go do this and that and I always, always, always had two to three jobs going on and I think it's hard and you had to because I wanted to be able to take time off and go Mm -hmm. do those things I think there are blessings in life right now with Uber and DoorDash and like you know there's you know go work at a bakery at like six in the morning and then go to your job like there it's those decisions about priority right like I have a buddy who's a pretty well-known actor that does uber at night and puts on a mask and a hat so nobody knows them <laughs> because he's like i just want to go do this and do a thing and you're like that's so respectable yeah because he wants to put a little bit more money in the pocket to go do things right mm-hmm. and get these experiences a different thing but like you can do side hustles to take paid time unpaid time totally. off like if the money is the issue but then also the choice is like do you want to fill a bank account or do you want to go fill the experience account you bet. Mm-hmm. I was also shooting weddings for video and photo at the yeah. time. So I was like, I still had that work on the week. It was, it was a fun year. Well, speaking of that, right, like that idea of, of getting some side hustles together and just doing whatever it takes to save some money. Mm-hmm. Um, this final question on money from, from Manny.m is, is this. What's the recommended budget to set aside to complete an expedition? And then in parentheses, not too big. That's a... Uh, impossible question to answer wow uh because it depends what is your expedition yeah right yeah you can get into so many what is overlanding what is an expedition what is all that it's like what is the experience that you want to get out of whatever you go do mm-hmm. it could cost you a couple hundred bucks and just gas and totally. you know, and like take food out of your pantry and you know yeah, I usually take much like usually what I begin. Food that's like sitting. In, <laughs> like too. I don't have to. I raid the fridge. <laughs> Being from LA, we had like earthquake food, right? Yeah, you know, and I would course. like take that out and be like, "Oh, all these these cans are like ten years old," and you're like, "Whatever." <laughs> but it's like you don't have to spend a lot of money to go do an expedition. Sure, we're going to Africa this year. Does that cost a lot of money? Yes, 
for sure. But you plan years and like that trip wasn't just like we're going to have it happen. It's been planned for years yeah. and putting things in order to get that done even for us as Expedition Overland. Um, but it's that one's a loaded question because then I have a lot of questions back. Well, what is your yeah. expedition? How long do you want to go? Where do you want to go? Like again, I mean, I saw I was on an off-road trail in Montana and ran into somebody in a smart car back there. Dude, <laughs> literally, you're gonna, a smart get, car. you're gonna get me on a soapbox yeah, here. Cool builds. I was like, okay. We have this Rav Four now in the family, you know, mm-hmm. and and I just keep loving it more and more every day. And my wife and I we went to a concert over in Paradise Valley a couple of days ago and took the back roads coming and going. Mm-hmm. Thing was like below twenty, anything twenty five or below, you're in EV mode. So they're yeah. elk all over the place, and we're just whispering along and yeah. we stop, and there's no engine running, and mm-hmm. and it, I had maybe it was a gallon and a half of gas for a whole evening's tour, wow. 44 miles per gallon, you know, and I was like, you know, I think I have a new hashtag, mm-hmm. smiles per miles, totally. or it miles goes, per, yeah. smiles per gallon, smiles per gallon, smiles per gallon. <laughs> I lived out of a 72 Bronco for almost a year, so uh, yeah. if you want to talk about comfort, that was not that, Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. it was very loud and, you know, gas mileage wasn't great, but it was also like, it was smiles per, we smiles enjoyed per it, miles. it was a great yeah. experience, right? You're like, ah, oh, you don't, you could do it in anything, yeah. whatever your budget is. If we want to get technical with budgeting, um, I am currently uh, about to execute on a plan for this summer for myself that is uh, probably 6,500 miles, um, and I drive a Tundra, which drinks fuel like it's full-time job. And so for me, I start looking at like actually forecasting like, okay, you know, like miles per gallon on average, whatever, how many tanks is it going to cost? How much is a tank going to cost depending on the area? You can rough it out that way. You can get in the nitty-gritty. Um, what I find to be most successful for me in the, in, you know, my shorter slash mid length trips is I just, you know, I set aside kind of a range and it's cool when you're under it cause you, then you're like, oh, let's buy some nice food for dinner tonight. Let's cook a good meal. Yeah. Or it allowed for me to like budget for like an extra little tidbit for, you know, buying yeah. down the road or whatever. But, you know, just set realistic expectations. Don't lowball yourself. Cause then you're just going to be constantly frustrated that you're over budget. You know, take take the budget that you're considering, maybe add 10, 15, 20% on top, and you'll be stoked when you get back and you're, you know, you got still a little bit, a little bit of cash in your pocket. Yeah. And pick the area that's going to fit your budget, right? Like Absolutely. Driving to Alaska in the summer is not cheap. Mm-mm. So yeah. that may be a goal you move to another time, right? If you want to save money and, you know, example, Baja or somewhere like that, cheaper, right? Yeah. Like go somewhere that fits your budget fits your plan and that ultimately gets the goal that you want out of that trip out of you know back yeah Yeah. i was thinking like it's useful in that one of the the struggles with this question is the ambiguity like you Mm -hmm. know what size are we talking about but i'm thinking about how the skill development part of learning to budget in in everything you know we're talking about with overlanding and adventures and taking trips like it it's really cool to me that you you can almost get away with just taking a weekend, a Friday or Saturday, and not even have to think too much about mm-hmm. the budget. Um, you just throw some stuff in the rig and you go. Yeah. But one of the cool challenges, as you take on bigger trips, longer trips, I would say most of us have to budget when we start doing that. Yeah. And that's one of the new skills that you have to develop, right? You work up to it, right? Yeah. Like yeah you don't work just up to go it. on a, you know, two-month expedition without ever going camping before. Right. I guess you could. But like, it's also like, that is a big investment. You're talking about all the things that you may need if you're going very remote and gas cans and extra water, all this stuff Mm -hmm. that goes into it, like work your way into that. Like if you set a five-year goal, 
I want to go do a month expedition. Well, then you start adding and figuring out. And there's plenty of times that I have. I'm like, oh, I need this thing to do it. And I did it. And then I was like, oh, actually, I don't need it. And you get rid of it. And you sell it on Craigslist or Facebook. Mm-hmm. You put yeah, it in yeah. 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 Put it totally. in the travel fund. Yep. Yeah. I think um, don't let your budget limit your experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that might mean you have to wait an extra month. You know, set aside mm-hmm. that extra 300 bucks yeah. because you want to go see the whales or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, make sure that you get the experience that you want. Um at the timeline that you need it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. go see the whales. Go see the whales. I'm thinking, too, Drink it's the like, Kool-Aid. <laughs> look up Nutty Nolte on Instagram, Baja Born. <laughs> go see them and touch the whales. It'll change your life. It's incredible. <laughs> Dude, and awesome. it doesn't cost that much. Like, it's even those things. It's like, go to the right place to do it. Yeah. If I go to Florida to go touch whales, you're not going to touch whales. You're not even going to see them. And I'm going to spend $5,000, you know? But I yeah. can go down to, you know, it's a rougher area in Guerra Negro and Baja, and I can do that for a fraction of the cost and actually meet amazing people. And we had one of the most incredible nights on this beach and culture and learning about, you know, Mm. these locals and spending time with them and their family and, you know, literally taking the boat to go get oysters and then cooking them in the sand. And you're like, this is way better for me than Mm -hmm. like going to a resort and whatever. So yeah. Yeah. A little more DIY. It's and just getting get so much it? more out of that experience. Yeah. yeah, and like succumbing to the fact that like adventure is adventure. It's about the wilderness. And wilderness comes from the idea of wild, right? Like, yeah, man. Like it's go be wild. Yeah, you know, and in that budget part too, like I'm I'm thinking myself that if I want to do some bigger trips, because like one of my struggles just to identify maybe and relate to some of the audience and listeners is um you know, is budgeting, is the financial planning. And like, I, I realized at some point, I'm like, you know, that's a weakness. Like as far as overlanding skills, yeah, wilderness medicine, mm-hmm. you know, setting up the rig, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Long range strategic financial planning so I can take the trip of my dreams. Don't got it. <laughs> need <laughs> Not to for get everybody. It. I, I need to get it though, right? Yeah. I need that like any other overlanding skill and like mm-hmm. just becoming more mindful even of simple weekend warrior stuff what did this cost? Why did it cost this much? You know, and looking at those budgets and then starting to grow those skills to budgeting for bigger trips. I have a question back to you. Oh, geez. It, it, I, it, I don't know if it's allowed to ask Josh questions. No. <laughs> well, Eagle, it was just because I think there's a good answer for it. You talk yeah. about like never being able to get to that adventure that you want for your lifetime, right? Right. So would you rather never get that done or take a bunch of smaller trips that maybe get the same thing out of it? Hmm. I guess um, I'm I'm at a stage now where I've taken so many smaller trips, mm-hmm. you know, living in Montana all these years, yeah. and I love them. You know, I love doing that. And, you know, I'd say longest trips, typically like a week, maybe mm-hmm. 10 days if I really push them, but like something really big, like yeah. Overland style, crossing bound, uh, borders, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That That's going to take a level of planning I haven't executed yet. That's, well, now that's our next mission to help figure that out with Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll check back on that next year with <laughs> I you. Like it. And that's I'll why I want to ask because it's different for everyone. And I'm yeah. like, it, that wasn't a, like, it was like, oh, like, I want to hear from you, right? Because it's just so cool to hear the well, different but, sides um, of it. To speak, because we're going to get into geography yeah. here too, Evan. Oh, and I, I appreciate you asking me some questions. I think we needed another Gen Xer on board to, mm-hmm. to do that, you know, because I know <laughs> yeah. where I'm coming from. Um, but like living in, if you pick a place to live Mm -hmm. like Montana, you know, I've spent the last 30 years literally prioritizing exploring this state everywhere I possibly can. There is still so much I haven't Mm -hmm. seen. There's so much I'd like to go back to. Mm -hmm. It is so nuanced. Um, 
And so my point is just, if you live somewhere cool, like you could spend a lifetime to your point, Evan, doing small trips in that place and arguably have a better experience than someone who takes a big international trip. Yeah. So no, even though I'm aspiring to some of that bigger stuff, um, I guess, yeah, that's one of my conflicts. I love it here so much that, you know, yeah. it's hard to leave Montana in June. But you change your life to do it. You would have to. So did you. So did yeah. I. We all, yeah. Oh, all to get here. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. To import. Sacrifice other things. Yeah. Perfect segue into geography questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, here we have questions related to just that uh, geographic location. So these are fans, listeners writing in and, and where they live, they're, they're struggling with that because they're thinking, man, I can't go overlanding because I live in Northeast Connecticut or I live in downtown New York or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're trying to help them with. Uh, P. Weavy writes in, how can you overland in your state? Oh, excuse me. How can you overland if your state has nowhere to overland at? I'm in Mississippi. I get the finger because I grew up in Tennessee. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, so Miss finger pointed, yeah, mm-hmm. not, not the other kind of finger. So it's like Andy, you're, you're yeah. on. Something that I've learned about um, the areas in which I have lived in the past: uh, Montana, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina. Um, I've spent a lot of time in Mississippi, so I can maybe shed some light there. But nothing is all like it, nothing is really ever that far away. You know, if you're in Mississippi and you're looking at, all right, well. You know, I, I don't have anything in Mississippi. I think Mississippi's, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it's like five, six hours across um, to drive from border to border. Mm. Um, you might just have to be comfortable with driving a little bit further, or you might have to get creative at what you consider to be overlanding um, or what you consider to be outdoor recreation as a whole. Um, that might look more like an OHV park for you. You know, like I just enjoy time on the trail. Maybe, you know, like for me, I grew up in East Tennessee, Windrock. Um, which is uh, just outside of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. That was, for me, growing up, where I cut my teeth with, like, off-road travel. I'd go back in there and I'd enjoy a, in we, a weekend in, in uh, um, Windrock, and that's that's what I needed. Um, Mississippi might be the same case. I'm not sure of oh, uh, OHV parks in Mississippi, but you have to, at some point, be a little bit more comfortable. Now, speaking to, like, where we are now, things are far away. <laughs> like... I have to like take a like an objective look at a map and think you know it's two hours for me to get to West Yellowstone, sure, mm-hmm. but that's like 120 miles. Like you know what I mean? Like oh, stuff as an is... East Coaster myself, I feel yeah. you. You know why is my fuel economy so bad? It's like well, I'm also <laughs> going on a 90 it. miles an hour. Yeah. I yeah. used to drive from Portland to Southern California for we had a week trip every year that we did with friends and family for Thanksgiving, and the first year is like it's been two days down two days back so we're not killing yourself but then we had less time mm-hmm. so we would crank a 16 to 18 hour drive day just to get down there and then you have more time with friends yeah. and family so it's like there's also options now and again this is a budget but we're talking geography is like you can fly and go rent a vehicle yeah like we've been looking at doing new yeah. zealand and doing like a rig swap mm-hmm. right because like we can't afford to fly and rent so we're like mm-hmm. oh do we put our rig up on rig swap we swap with someone, we go use their mm-hmm. rig. So there's different, there's also apps like Hip Camp, yeah. right? Where it's like, you know, there may not be public trails, but there's people that have. We found a place in California we wanted somewhere new, and this person owned this huge ranch that he used to use. It was in the mountains. It was a YMCA camp and not anymore. And you could rent it and use all the trails. So we drive out there, and That's then you have all these trails, and then you can camp anywhere. And, yeah, it was different. Cause you were like renting a place, but it's like, 
there are new apps that allow for that type of stuff too. Yeah, man. I, I'd love to piggyback off of, the, of what you're saying there. And just also for uh, anyone listening, OHV stands for off-highway vehicle mm. park. So like yeah, these yeah. BLM dedicated parks where you can go four-wheeling and get off-road and, and even cross-country kind of stuff in some of them. Yeah. We pay taxes for yeah. yeah. So go, go enjoy them. Right. Yeah. And some of those are privately like Windrock, for example, is private. So mm, you would just yeah. pay a quick day rate and sign a waiver and you're, you're solid. Like going to a ski resort to exactly. ski or something. Yep. 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 Um, but I would also say we are in an era that we are absolutely blessed with just so much information at our fingertips for this kind of thing. Um, you know, like you said, hip camp, I overlander is excellent for just a public free repository of all kinds of campsites and like dump stations, all those kinds of things, um, on excess featured trails all over the country as well, which I lean into pretty heavily. Um, and then there's also a really cool, speaking to Mississippi specifically, um, there's a really cool growing community of overlanding style travel in the Southeast. Like I've seen stuff pop up of like, um, there's one through South Carolina and North Carolina all over, uh, the way in around the coast. Um, there's stuff that's, that's showing up that people are beginning to share and it's been really exciting to see. Um, because there's not a ton in that area, but there's something. It's growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Overland Expo East, mm-hmm. right? That That's getting bigger all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, some kind of Overland Expo type of thing in North Florida this mm-hmm. past spring. I almost flew down to see my nephew and see some family and go. It sounded really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, he, like my nephew, he's a guy who like, does a lot of the trucks, like truck building, but more, more kind of mainstream, like street rods and things like that. But now he's like, oh, this this stuff looks pretty cool. Like, what is this? Right. Yeah. So I think it is growing. Um, and you know, as an East coaster, Evan, I, I would like to go back and explore now that there are hip camps and, you know, those kinds of platforms to farm camp and get to some really cool private access. Mm -hmm. I would love to ride around on the ADV bike and, you know, see that country and just use those apps to, to find places to camp. Harvest host is another one too. Harvest host. Um, Yeah. I love craft beer and enjoy like, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that type of the world. And that's right. been really fun. I've used a couple um, with my family actually back east, and it's a fun time. It is. You get to stay in a winery. You, and yeah, totally. Yeah, so you get cool. beautiful views. Like mm-hmm. odds are, the people are amazing too. Yeah. Um, yeah, the actual like owners and everything like that. So yeah, yeah. highly encourage using the resources that are available to you because I guarantee there's more out there if you're willing to do a little bit more yeah. research. Yep. You may even have friends and family. Like I have some old friends now. They they have nice places back east, and they're like, "Oh yeah, why don't you just stay on the back forty? Totally. <laughs> yeah, just, just sleep in the backyard." Yeah. yeah, it's like okay, I yeah. can maybe do that. Um, okay, uh, so last question of the podcast, and I see the hourglass is gone, so it's good timing. <laughs> All right, my biggest reason. This is from Greg Vasilev. My biggest reason I don't get out hardly at all is that I live in Northeast Connecticut. To get out to do some real overlanding, it's at least a month long trip, but I'm doing all I can to simplify my life so it can be easier to do and I will. So in Greg's tone, like I I hear a lot of resolution, like pushing back against some of the things in his lifestyle already and and really trying to get himself to a better place for this. Mm -hmm. But um, real overlanding, that's a tough one because I feel like there's a there's a pop culture that is um, overlanding and is coined as overlanding um, that I don't know if it is a fair representation of what it might be to him. Um, you know, for me, overlanding is getting out and exploring and enjoying 
and the experience and the people and all of that, they are everywhere. You know what I mean? Like you, you there's no specific location for that. Yeah. Um, that is, that is countrywide. So the term real overlanding is, is, is tough. Um, if you can find that experience somewhere else, go for it. Sure. Um, and then to kind of tap into the month long thing, I think that you can do a lot more in a week than most people give credit to. Um, I, I'm aware of like a really drives and hard work. You yeah. Get I mean like, man. yeah, totally. I mean, like you said, yeah. like you're, you're going to drive to Portland or you're going to drive somewhere and you're going to rip out 16 hours, Yeah, but then you're going to have a week of just enjoyment because you were, you were comfortable with that push. I think the first is starting, like, don't worry about the label. Yeah. Like, don't worry about who's going to judge you if it is real or not. Like, I know we are ex-overland and, you know, we believe in this culture. But again, for us, the most important part is about getting outdoors, vehicle-based travel, right? So um, hopefully we can help with you and, you know, drop the judgment of it and go enjoy the trip that you want, right? And, you know, if you want to talk about, like, bigger travel and do it, that's amazing, right? But it takes commitment and... Yeah. And sacrifice and time to do those. Like we get that of life, right? Like we're busy and we all do that. And, you know, to take a month trip is hard. But if you could do it, like that's amazing. Put you towards it. You know? I, I totally think there's a lot of value to be gained. Like I, or what Andy was saying as far as, and, and you were right there with him, Evan, was like a lot of people don't give enough credit to the week-long trip. Mm-hmm. Meaning like yeah. if you've never done even a three-day, it's like two night, three days three nights, four days, a week. If you've never done that yet, give yourself, don't even worry about the month long concept, right? And like, well, how am I going to do that? It's like, you believe me, you'll find a lot of challenge just in getting out for a few nights. I feel hard even entering that conversation right now as the guy that went on a three-year adventure. (laughs) But then I also look at that and I've had deep conversations with people I met and friends is like, was that a trip? Because I was living life, yeah, too. So it's a different thing. Yeah, like, it's a whole so different. Yeah, a lifestyle and now. That's where I go yeah. to like remove the whole thing of what a thing is, right? What do you? I always go to what do you want to achieve and get after it. You can achieve maybe the thing you want mm-hmm. in a week, yeah. Or you, to your point, you want to go global and cross borders and do that. That's it. That's there's a thing that you want to capture and then figure out how to get that right and do yeah. it. And, I mean. In North America, we're pretty lucky. We have two pretty big borders not that far yeah. from each other. I mean, that's you a start. Get from Mexico up into Canada in a week. Like, mm-hmm. is it a lot of driving and hard work? Sure. For sure. You know, but like you can. Or you fly over to Europe and there's yeah. a lot of borders, oh, yeah. right? And you can go quick and look at it. The renting cars or swaps. It's like, you know, it's hard. Yeah. I've never lived somewhere like Connecticut. And so I can't. I haven't even been there. Um, so hard for me to do that. But there's always an answer. And just looking and being responsible yeah, you know, and figuring it out. Trying to like speak directly to this person, um, being from the East Coast, like I, I think, first of all, like Andy was saying back there, you get in a car and you drive four or five hours in the East Coast, you've crossed like five states. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like. I'm not, California is not that way. <laughs> Especially yeah. if you're north. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, ooh, that's from the top, from Southern Cal all the way to the top. It's a long way, but you could do it in two days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm like thinking from Connecticut, um, you got, New, up, upstate New York, mm-hmm. beautiful Vermont, New Hampshire, really close by. All of Maine, yeah, um, and and Pennsylvania too has all kinds of interesting backroad stuff. And there is now a uh, Mid Atlantic and a Northeast BDR backcountry yeah. discovery route. So this person, you might want to check those out and and do little segments of those. Yeah, um, those are you know well mapped out and will give you a place to start. Yeah. 
And yeah. The one thing I'd say about overlanding that we all forget because we watch a lot of amazing films like ours and other people is that, you know, overlanding is a lot of time spent driving a car on cement or a yeah. tarmac or a gravel road that isn't the epic thing that most people we spend time filming. Yeah. Because right? we know yeah, what we true. see. So, like, you're, you may put in two long days on highways or back road streets, right, mm -hmm. to get to that thing. Right. You know, yeah. you're not always going to be on what you stereotypically call an overland trip. Right. Like, you know, we're planning Africa and like, don't get me wrong to get around Africa. There's a lot of roads you have to go through in yeah. cities. And mm -hmm. and then, you, yeah, you're out for a week or two, whatever. But like, you know, taking back the fairy tale. Right. It's not the whole Cinderella thing. There are totally. parts of it that are work driving that five hours across Mississippi to get to that trailhead. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think, mm -hmm. um, I think it was Ryan Connolly. Um, it was, might even be this morning. Mm -hmm. Um, we were talking about something completely unrelated to this question, but I think that there was a point in there that rung true. It was that, all right, before, before we do any planning, let's define success. Yeah. You know, if, if this, this real overlanding, if the success of that is, you know, the experience of being at a campfire with your, you know, wife and kids and dogs, whatever, mm -hmm. define that, make sure that that's clear because you might not have to go, you know, drive for a month to get there. You might, you know, you, you might, might be able to yeah. do it in some incredibly yeah. convenient and awesome repetition if you do it for a month. Yeah. Um, if you take some time to really think about these things and, mm -hmm. and think through your answers to, to the questions we've been posing, you might be relieved to find you yeah. can go have a blast and it's not going to be Absolutely. what you thought it was. Yeah. It's not insurmountable. Hopefully that's the case. There's a salt and time, money and geography, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. then we're talking about it's like Andy, We've all somewhat circled that same wagon is like, what is success for you? Yeah. And what do you want as an individual or a family or a friend group want to get out of that? And then plan according to your constraints. Yeah. Yep. And ultimately just get out there and have fun. Heck yeah. Get out there and have fun. Yeah. We're going to do. And don't wait. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't need that one thing that you've been thinking like, oh, if I have that light bar, uh, just drive during the day. You know what I mean? Like a lot just, of places you can't even use the light exactly. bar. Exactly. Just to cover them up in Africa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. Wow. Just no go. No kidding. In yeah. Africa. Yeah. And parts of Africa, it's illegal to, we have to put black caps over them. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, just, just start. Yeah. I love it. Um, Evan, you can be found in some other places along with X Overland. On planet Earth. <laughs> Montana. Uh, talking about, I'm like, what do you mean? Fa uh, family overland uh, adventures. Yes, uh, on Instagram. Yep. Okay, and yep. and that's as would you describe it like how? Oh, what's sure. it at? I, at what? It's at family dot overland dot adventure. Okay, yep. so that's where people can find you and yep. get a little taste of what you're doing when you're not here. Yep. You're just out adventuring, Absolutely. Andy. So for me, um, my name is Andy Potter. Uh, I My wife's going to laugh at me for saying this, but my, my Instagram handle is Andy Potter with three T's. There's three T's in Potter, just like the movies, whatever. Um, I'm pretty dark <laughs> on social, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is ironic for a social media manager. But um, yeah, just really, you're more likely to find me on a trail somewhere around here. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're ever in the area, just come, <laughs> come look. Love it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thanks everybody for joining us today. Uh, hope you learned a lot. I know that I'm guessing we all have, and we're happy to be able to share that with you. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps. We appreciate your support. And until next time, stay adventurous. Stay adventurous.